2: Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host Nate Ryan here at our NBC Sports Charlotte studio, joined by AJ Allmendinger for the first time this season, first time in a while, maybe the first time ever on the post-race edition of the NASCAR and NBC podcast.
1: AJ, welcome. Well, thanks for having me back. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that I w- we were just talking before we get on here. I forgot about Charlotte traffic, <laughs> so it, it got my intensity level back up. For, I I just calmed down from Talladega came right back. So yes, it's been a while since I've been here, but happy to be back.
2: That's what we're here for, man. To get that blood pressure (laughs) pumping again after you spent all of, I'm sure, Sunday settling yourself down after a really wild Xfinity race ending. I want to get to that and talk to you about that. But of course, you're here because we're going to do NASCAR American Motor Mouths with Marty Snyder after this. And we're going to primarily be talking Talladega Super Speedway Cup Race. And we'll get started with the moves that won the race Sunday at Talladega. Or in this case, I think it was the lack of moves that won the race for Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain wins by essentially holding the wheels straight for the final lap of the race at Talladega. He beats Kyle Larson. Larson says that actually he made a mistake, that Chastain helped him get a run on Eric Jones who was leading at the time, and then Ross kind of baited him into going around to the outside.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I did a uh, pretty near-perfect job for me at a super until until the, the last... You know, lap there. Uh, yeah, I just, I should have like, I think you know, just kind of fake going high and then went back low. I just, I had that run and uh, Ross helped me with that run. And it kind of baited me into, to go into the outside. So just a little inexperience probably there. But yeah, like I said, really proud of them. Uh, honestly, the first time I've had a legit shot at winning a plate race in the Cup Series. So. Um, happy about that, but when you are that close, uh, and I was in the exact position I wanted to be, and I didn't want to be leading, so I felt like I I did a, a good job with patience and stuff. Just made one small mistake there and uh, cost me one.
2: Chastain. Afterward, AJ kind of disputed that, and he said that I was never going up. I don't know what Larson was thinking, thinking I was going high.
3: No, he went up. I think he went up to pass the forty-three. Uh, that's how I remember it. I was never going up. I mean, I might have like, I mean, it's a blur. Like coming to the finish and kurt's on my right rear i'm trying to keep whoever like i don't even know if there's anybody still behind me but just no matter where the car went the mental decision was not to go to his right rear because
1: I, I had somebody on my outside so that's cool that he thought i did it though
2: let's let him think that so aj is as a driver wanna get your thoughts what do you make of the final lap at Talladega, that pass for the win, and how much of it was maybe a result of Kyle Larson's lack of experience in terms of battling at the front for a super speedway win? Yeah,
1: it, it was uh, actually an interesting stat. I didn't even realize Kyle Larson hadn't ever finished in the top five. It's amazing, right? Like it? you, you, yeah. you think about, and that's just, it, it shows how hard super speedway racing is. Just sometimes luck of the draw, sometimes no one what to do, you know, I mean, For my background, right? Like when I ran Cup, I never ran at the front of the Super Speedway races. Now, I waited till the end because that's what we had to do, and I had a lot of chances to win those races. But when you run up front, it's a different mentality of of the moves you have to make. It's what I'm learning in Xfinity. I've been close to winning those races, but I haven't yet because you have to figure out what moves to make, and it really just takes experience. It's why guys like Brad Kay, and you know, you see the guys that have been so good in the past there what Dale Jr. used to be. I think it started with when the pack kind of got separated. So, you know, whatever it was, like that two, three laps to go when Kurt kind of it, it, – it separated the pack, and that right. was the worst thing probably for Eric Jones. I had that same experience at Daytona in February where if you just got like two lines kind of moving and you can kind of move back and forth, it is the easiest thing to do, I, especially I think with the new next-gen car because it almost is like a truck pack where you don't get those – is big of massive runs where you feel like you have to defend like the old cup cars did. Uh, So once it separated that pack, and all of a sudden Kyle Larson fell off of Eric Jones, and Eric got the lead, that's where you go, "Uh uh-oh, okay, I'm in trouble. From there on, now you're watching your mirror, and and I I heard Eric talk about how he, you know, the spotter's telling you what to do, but you, you don't even really hear it. You're just watching the mirror trying to make that move. And Kyle Larson got baited into it. Ross gave him a big shove. Now, Ross can easily say, oh, I wasn't going <laughs> high. So, well, so you're not buying that. And you know Ross well. So yeah. you're like, come Ross on, is, man. Ross <laughs> it, uh, I have enough experience to know Ross is going to do whatever the guy doesn't do. I mean, it's, it's oh, you know, so it's. <laughs> Ross is going to do whatever yeah, Ross gets Yeah, Ross is going to make right? the move yeah. he's going to have to make. So he can easily say, oh, I was going to stay low or, or the whole time. Okay, well, yeah, of course, because that's how you won the race. But, you know, Kyle had a great run. And in that moment, you feel like the move you're going to have to make is go high. Well, when Eric blocked it's I feel like with these next-gen cars, like, as soon as you get side-by-side and that air hits the car, it really slows that car down. So as Kyle makes the move, his car loses all that momentum. Well, Eric goes up, now slows him up. Ross has still got that momentum and is able to kind of make that pass real easy without any defense because Eric's focused on Kyle Larson. Unfortunately... Sometimes you have to pick one or the other,
2: and Eric chose the wrong way. You brought up Ross and uh, his mentality, and you have great insight into him, AJ, because he's a former teammate of yours at College Racing. Undoubtedly, this win shows that there was some maturation of Ross as a driver and the fact that he talked about it afterwards. You have to race with patience to win at Talladega. But he also said something interesting about Talladega.
1: Just, we've all been watching races here forever, and... and... I mean, I, I come here with the mentality. I used to come here really worried, really try to focus my first couple of years and try to like plan out every move. And I realized pretty quickly, that's
2: not possible. And so can you kind of speak to how maybe you've seen Ross evolve as a driver, how maybe learning to be patient at Talladega also requires some degree of faith and kind of just, you can't control anything. You sort of have to hope that things sort of unfold as you want them to. But at the same time, you also have to be patient and hold back the reins and not make any too rash moves early. Yeah, so when I was teammates with Ross at, at College Racing, my first Xfinity races
1: the race that Ross won at Daytona. That was my first race with College Racing. I remember, you know, we all planned it out. Okay, all three of us worked together. And I got in the lead, and Ross behind me. I mean, this is like lap 10. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. Next thing you know, he just makes a hard left, clears me, and moves up in front. I'm like, well, okay, I guess Ross is going to lead this race. And that's how the whole race went. Yeah. And he ended up winning that one. But I've seen other races where he's doing the same thing and either gets involved in wrecks or gets too aggressive and and it doesn't work out. So where I thought Ross, I mean, there was several moves that he had to make to get up there. But where I thought Ross, you could see the patience really pay off was eight to go or ten to go. And it's Kyle, it's Eric, it's Ross. Now that second lane's starting to move, and you see it. And finally, Eric said, I got to go up there and take it. Well, I figured Ross was going with him because he was going to shove by him. Well, Ross decided, no, that's not the move I'm going to make. I'm going to just stick on the plan of running the bottom lane, and I'm going to try to make it work out. And obviously, it did work out, but easily I thought Ross could go up there, start trying to push Eric, try to shove him by so now he can try to take the lead. Well, Ross right there was just – he showed his patience – He fell back to actually third line because Eric obviously got back into the lead and was able to to dictate that line. And that right there kind of really stood out to me where I thought, okay, it's a different Ross than we've seen. Now he's playing it out and just being patient, saying, okay, the inside line is probably the safest line I can be on. The outside lane was probably moving a little bit better at that point but had more potential of getting in trouble or even getting put three wide in the middle. And he stayed on the bottom and,
2: and played the game and played it the right way. Even though we've talked about his development as a driver, AJ, it occurs to me that Ross kind of still has that edge to him. I mean, you said it. Ross is going to do what's good for Ross Chastain in terms of winning a race. And in the past, that's gotten him in trouble at times. And certainly he's more of a veteran. You know, he's had the talks with Kevin Harvick or Kurt Busch or whoever about, like, how to race better. But does he still kind of have that Ross Chastain edge to him that makes him, you know, the driver that he is? Well, I felt it at uh, Coda, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: But, and I even talked to Ross about this after. The way that played out, I mean, it was frustrating uh, at the end of it for myself. But you know Ross is going to do what it takes to win the race, but we all are. Yeah. And, but what you've seen with Ross this year, I mean, you think about all the races, you know, leading up to Coda that he's had a shot to win at. And... Vegas, he stood out. He's been really fast. Martinsville, you know, he was struggling early in the race and didn't qualify very well. I think he was like 27th, 28th. Maybe an old Ross starts driving through the side of people early in the race to try to get to the front, especially with the long green flag runs that we were having. Potentially might get lapped. Next thing you know, Ross is running inside the top five and never had a scratch on the car. So at the end of it, is Ross still going to do what it takes to win the race? For sure. For sure. But to get to that point, I think it's a little different. And now that he's won, now that pressure's off of him, right? Because if you think about it, you know, he he had the wins in the 42 car it, of the Xfinity Series. Then he goes to College Racing. He wins the, the one Speedway race but doesn't win the, the whole year that he's there full-time. Goes to Ganassi and, and has some close runs but never wins. So the pressure's building up. He hadn't won a lot of races. Well, now here at Trackhouse, you see it feels like it's his home. He's making it his race team. He's won two races now. Now that self-pressure is like, okay, I'm going to let it just release a little bit. Now I can just kind of believe in that I can win these races, and we're seeing it. And, you know, I thought about it when I was trying to chase him down at Coda. I thought, man, I might be trying to chase down the champion here. No kidding. Because that's how strong he is, and it's a credit to Justin Marks and Trackhouse for the organization. Daniel Suarez is running just as well as just not winning. But we could be seeing a a guy that, you know, maybe – He's not your leading contender to win the championship, but like he's not. I wouldn't call him a dark horse anymore either. No,
2: I'm well, we're 10 races in, and there are two guys in cup with two victories, and that's William Byron and Ross Chastain. So I know it's really early to start talking playoffs and everything like that, but we're coming up on halfway through the regular season, and he's got more playoff points than a lot of guys who are they're picking to make the championship for. So you could see. It, you could see a deep run for him, and, he,
1: and you think about there. Look at all the racetracks that he's, he, you know, he's running well at all of them. It's not like now you can't say, well, yeah. I mean, you get to the Roval, he's going to struggle at the Roval. So I hope he's got a lot of playoff points built up, or he's got already got himself the next round. No, he's a hell of a road course racer now too. He knows how to race at all these racetracks. He's super fast, and and now he's starting to get the idea of that confidence inside of okay, I can just play these races out, and I'm going to have a shot to win at any of them. So, yeah, I mean, that, that it really did stand out to me at Code. I was like, man, I, he could be a champion this year. I might be right. trying to chase down one of the guys to win a championship. So, I mean, he's doing a
2: fantastic job, and so is that organization. Trackhouse is really on its game. Also had a good run at Talladega. Petty GMS and Eric Jones, the driver, heartbreak for Jones. He's leading on the last lap and he regretted the way the final lap ended, AJ. He had some regret that he tried to block Larson. He went high instead of just holding his line and letting Chastain push him. And Jones said that... I
3: saw the top getting some momentum there in three and four. It looked like they had a lot of momentum and I was getting too far out. I was trying to back up to the five and uh, he got a run and tried to defend and the one kind of just opened the door for the one. He, he cruised by everybody and, and uh, ended up winning there. So... It just only get so much of a picture in the car, in the seat, and and I was trying to do what I thought I needed to do to win the race, and unfortunately there was other circumstances which is Talladega, but Air Force Chevy was fast, just um, needed a few thousand more feet. You know, defending the Vibe, probably would have just stayed on the bottom, I didn't realize the bottom was coming with that much uh, momentum, and I don't know, Rick was probably telling me, my spotter, I just probably, I was in my own world, right, you're trying to do what you can see, and you're also trying to listen to him, but um, obviously, if I would have known that the bottom had that much steam, would have probably stuck with it and hope. Hope the one has to has to push me, you know. So it's frustrating, but um, you work that hard for 500 miles, and it comes down to the last few thousand feet, and um, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's a good shot for us to win. I feel like we can win in other places, but uh, this was definitely a day I felt like we had a car that could won. You know, I know we can win at non-super speedways. We just have to put the parts and pieces in place to do it. So. So I have to ride the confidence, and know that we did what we could today, and and what I could do, and hopefully go on from there.
2: As a driver who's who's had these kinds of disappointments before, how hard is it for Eric Jones to put a Sunday finish at Talladega behind him, knowing that that's a really good shot for him to make the playoffs? But you know, to his point about like maybe he can ride this to the non super speedway races, can it help the team? I mean, they've been quick at a lot of racetracks, and it's you
1: know this next gen car I think has helped a lot of these these race teams. That maybe consistently weren't up front with the old car. Because that old car, you take, you know, I get there was different aero packages of it. But at the same, it still made the car handle the same way. Like what Gibbs and Hendrick had for ideas of how to make those race cars fast. You put a big spoiler on it. Well, they still have the ideas of how to make it fast. So this next gen car has leveled the playing field. So teams, as we talk about, Trackhouse and Petty GMS, especially with the 43 car and, and Eric Jones and that whole group. They've showed speed at a lot of places. Now, it's still hard when you're leading off the last corner, right? Yeah. Like, it's super hard to win these cup races. I mean, Eric Jones was at Gibbs, you know, for, for a few years, and he has two wins. I mean, they're, it's hard to win these races, but that does give them at least confidence to know, okay, maybe that's not my only shot. It's still super hard to go win these races, but they've been fast at a lot of different types of racetracks. So, you don't have to just lay your hat on, like, this was probably my only chance, and now I'm not going to have another one. They know that they can find the speed, but... Still, it's always easy to say, hindsight, gosh, if I wish, if I would have just done that or this. In that moment, you're making the move you think is the right move, right or wrong. You learn from it, but it's like I've learned with myself. You go back and you study and say, okay, maybe in a different situation, but you can never regret what you did because in that moment, that's the move you have to make. Kyle Larson has a huge run coming. You know he's going to go high, yeah. or if he's going to try to fake and you're going to try to go low and something could happen. And, heck, who's to say with that run if he fakes and – Larson goes low and he gets on his door that Ross doesn't drive by both of them on the outside, no matter what Ross says. <laughs> Just saying he was going to stay low. Uh, but, you know, that, that that's what's hard about super speedway racing. It's all blink of the eye, running 200 miles per hour, that split second. But I, I do believe that he, he does have confidence and that, that organization does have confidence that they can go to different types of racetracks now and at least run up front and maybe give themselves a chance to go win another race.
2: I think uh, what increased the degree of difficulty as well Sunday at Talladega AJ was the fact that it was the next-gen car debut at that track, and we heard a lot, I think surprisingly, about how it was more of a track position race than it had been in the past. Ryan Blaney said afterward, you can't pass anybody here anymore. You can't really make a third lane. I don't know what the problem is with it, so... What's your take? I know you didn't race in the Cup Series Sunday, but you certainly got a really good look at it. You've driven the next-gen car. Are drivers and teams still figuring out next-gen setups, or is this car just maybe going to race a little bit differently on super speedways? I think this race car just races different on super speedways.
1: I think there's always a, a process of learning it, and you know you make it maybe a little, little slicker through the air as, as you kind of develop it, but there's not a lot you can do with it, and that's the thing. It, it's not... It's not like you can really tune on the bodies and and you're going to change them the next time you go to Daytona and the next time they go back to Talladega. It's just a different way of this car races. And track position is very critical. We saw it through the strategy. Bubba Wallace was really good all race. That green flag stop and the way the strategy worked out and all that, he gets to the back of the pack, especially with the smaller pack. There was only 18 to 22 cars in that pack. So you were never having that big energy run of 40 car you know 36 cars that were kind of like kind of shuffling the air like you get in that small pack things happen a lot slower at that point so track position is going to be more critical at these super speedway races and I think you know when you go to Daytona and go back to Talladega I mean strategy is going to be even more important than it's ever been and teams learn that I think as as the race went on I mean you saw Eric Jones I mean they kept taking Two tires on the right side. Did they ever take left-side tires? I don't know. They knew that they had to stay up front, and, and you just can't, especially when in the, that pack got smaller, you just couldn't make bigger runs. We even saw once they got to the outside, I mean, as hard as they were pushing, William Byron was pushing, it's like that line just doesn't go as much anymore. And I do think some of it is the side draft on these cars aren't as important as the old car. Like, you used to door the guy, kill the energy of that right. of that car, and then pull off them and that would help you. It just doesn't seem like it works that much in this car.
2: Which was NASCAR's intent, right? They wanted to sort of eliminate aero side-drafting capabilities, which I think is good probably on mile-and-a-halves, certainly, that maybe it increases the quality there, but it changes the game a little bit at a track like this, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's it, you know, it's just you're still racing side-by-side, side, but it's just a different type of racing now. You know, drivers and teams will learn that, and they'll have to, to you know work on making sure strategy because it's, you know, Daytona, maybe if it's super hot in the summer handling becomes a little bit important, but that's the thing. It just doesn't seem like handling with this car at the super speedways is really critical because teams weren't even changing tires. Tires aren't wearing out.
2: And when handling isn't in play, then it, it is all about staying up front and strategy. I would be remiss, not that I'm trying to spike your blood pressure again, but I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you were very much in contention on Saturday in the Xfinity race, different type of race car. But from my perspective, AJ, it seemed a little bit similar for you that when you got to the front, it was kind of track position. Again, I'm just, I'm just a guy watching you drive a car. I have no knowledge, <laughs> but it looked like the top end speed wasn't quite there where you could stay ahead of uh, like the JRM cars or whoever. Am I reading that right? Yeah,
1: no, no, you're you're dead on there. That was something that you know we'll uh, this week we'll do some studying and kind of figure it out. We always have fast race cars on the super speedways at college racing. Uh, but I felt like all of us, uh, Daniel and myself and Landon, we talked about it after the race. We just didn't have that top end speed. So usually with the Xfinity car, you get a guy to your bumper and they start kind of shoving you. Well, eventually kind of shoves you out there. And then, then that's when the game of having to drag the brake to not get too far out in the lead. I didn't ever have that problem. They would stick to my right. bumper and I had right. handfuls of steering wheel that whole time. So I knew on those final couple of restarts, I was just going to have to time it right and kind of the same theory happened about you know when Kurt made that move and it kind of split that pack up. The same thing happened to me. So the restart, on the last restart, Justin run Allgaier runs out of fuel. Well, I didn't realize what was happening, so I thought he was trying to like slow the lineup. I didn't want to get a penalty of trying to play the game of me launching too early. Well, next thing I knew, I saw the 9 start coming by me. So that got the nine out the lead, and I thought, okay, that's actually not going to be a bad deal. And I had, I think, Ryan Sieg behind me, and I was backing up to him trying to get that run. Well, Ryan Sieg got clipped, and he had a great save. Yeah, that wasn't a very. But it split save. the pack yeah. ab- apart from me, and that's how the three car Jeffrey got the run, and and from there on, I was kind of in trouble. But even with that, when they were pushing me, I was kind of tapped out, and never could get those big massive runs that the Xfinity cars get sometimes. So at the end of the day course you want to win the race but anytime i can come out with a clean race car a top five <laughs> and a hundred thousand dollars for the dash for cash it's it's a good day yeah
2: you did have a nice consolation prize yeah. there of a 100k which isn't bad so next time hopefully you guys figure out hey we get a little bit more at the top end and then when you're in the lead you can control things a little bit better if, if you're a little bit faster than the guys behind you yeah, yeah.
1: And, and that's something you know it's is as i spoke about before it's like we, we learned so the xfinity series i've had opportunities of leading these races and gotten too far out so yeah. i'm i'm I never had that problem in the cup series, so I'm still learning. You know, I thought I was gonna be better at it this, this time, but unfortunately we didn't have the, the, the speed on the top end that we needed, but we'll keep working at it and you know, at the end of the day, if you just keep putting yourself in that position, hopefully you'll finally grab one.
2: So I saved maybe the juiciest Talladega weekend story for last. Kyle Bush's contract situation became a little bit of a topic of discussion on Saturday. Bush is in the final year of his deal with Joe Gibbs Racing. M&M's, of course, is not returning after the 2022 season, so a huge sponsor void for that team to fill. There seems some optimism after Bush won at the Bristol Dirt Race that this deal could be done fairly quickly. It seemed like they were getting close, but it is late April and Gibbs has yet to announce a new sponsor, an extension with Bush, and Kyle was asked about it this past weekend, and he said,
1: Do you have any sort of time frame for when you want your plans
3: to be decided for next year? Yesterday not getting an- antsy about it. <laughs> I'm not getting antsy about it. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> so goodbye is an option?
3: Ask Joe Gibbs.
2: Have you been knocking on his door about it? Not my problem. <laughs> is it their problem then, right?
3: <laughs> gotta sell it. If you don't sell it, then nothing to sell or nothing to have.
2: So it's all about the sponsor? Correct. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be frustrating though, in this day and age.
3: Mm, yeah, uh, truck series is probably 95% kids with money.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you feel that if you don't get anything from Gibbs that there'll be somebody else out there that, will, that you
3: land at? Probably not. Well, they're
2: not going to let you go. They'll figure out something, won't they?
3: Ask Joe Gibbs. So.
2: Would you retire rather than leave JGR?
3: Really? I mean, what are we well, doing? You just,
1: well, you just said to Bob, probably not. So I just want to clarify that. I don't want that to be mistaken.
3: I would say
2: I lost my ride. And David Wilson of Toyota Racing Development was asked about this by NBC Sports' Dustin Long. And Wilson said, You know, Joe, in, in, in our vision, Toyota's vision, is for Kyle to retire out of Joe Gibbs Racing
0: and Toyota. He he is clearly um, a little frustrated, and, and that's you know that that's understandable to a point. You know, a little disappointed
2: that he um, voiced it. To, to to be fair, but um, he knows he he knows because Joe talks to him all the time how hard we are collectively working. To to make sure that um, that we have a place for him for as long as he wants to stay. So again, I know you're an Xfinity driver, but I know you've been through situations with contracts before. What do you make of this twist of events? Surprise me that well, we're talking about this. <laughs> I mean, first of all, are we ever shocked with Cal
1: Bush's comments <laughs> like that? That's what I laugh about <laughs> with David. I get I get what David's talking about. I was like, yeah. hey, I don't want to pup, but. We, we shouldn't ever be shocked by Kyle Busch's comments. This is what I love about Kyle. This is what people ask me. Like, you know, what's Kyle like? I was like, I love Kyle Busch because he's real. Yep. He's not always the most pleasant. He's, now I'll say he's always, if I call him and ask him questions about how to drive a race car, he'll give me detailed answers for as long as I want him. But, you know, he he's also who he is. Like, if he's not happy or there's something on his mind or something you don't want to talk about, and he'll make sure that he says how he feels about it. I get it. If if you're Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch is one of the best there's ever been. Not in our generation, not in, you know, in the Cup Series or Xfinity, the best we've ever seen in NASCAR. That's why you have that many wins. I don't care if some of them are truck wins, some are Xfinity wins. He's one of the best drivers we've ever seen. Like him or hate him, it's true. So yeah, I get it. Everything he's done. Like why wouldn't they sign him? Yeah. Now it's yeah. it's sponsor money. Unfortunately, this is what runs our business. Right? Is sponsorship dollars. Right? Do we really think Kyle Busch is going to go without a ride next year? No way. No, there's not no. a chance. <laughs> Do you really think Toyota wants Kyle Busch to go drive a Ford or a Chevrolet? Ain't going to happen. But if you're Kyle Busch, sure. A because you you want to know that your your future is locked up. B you don't want the questions asked because what's he going to say? You know, it's you know. Oh yeah, of course, of course, I'd like to have a contract. Yeah. Now he says it in his own way, but. It comes down to money at the end of the day, but I don't see there's a way that Kyle Bush isn't in Toyota unless he doesn't want to be, because they're going to make sure that he's there no matter how they have to do it, whether it's sponsorship dollars or manufacturer dollars, he'll
2: be there. I think you just hit on it, in that, and I think David Wilson kind of touched on it as well, that the reason that they don't want to talk about it. And to your point, like they keep having being asked about it is it just becomes counterproductive. Like there's no upside while it's sort of like lingering that like, Hey, is he coming back? Is he not just the fact that people are wondering that just kind of creates this environment of what if other teams start asking around or, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation as a driver, who's sort of unsure of what's happening next year, but it's just, it's never a great situation to be in. It strikes me.
1: No, there's not, but I feel like there's about, you know, five to, maybe 10 at max drivers in this sport that in a way can write their own ticket or that you can make demands and and your demands are going to be heard and probably taken care of because somebody else will help if not. And Kyle Busch is at the head of that list. So, sure, of course Toyota doesn't want that out there because who's to say that Roger Penske's like, oh, really? <laughs> so they don't have a contract. Ford's like, oh, okay, let's figure this out. So,
2: Stuart Haas apparently has a slot to fill for next year. Eric Almirola retiring. Ex- exactly. So, yeah. so at yeah. the, you
1: know, it still comes down to, to sponsorship money and, and, you know, whatever you have to pay Kyle along with that. But they don't want to let Kyle Busch go, and I don't think they will unless Kyle finally gets tired of it and says, you know what? I am getting some phone calls. Maybe I'm going to listen. You mentioned that you've called Kyle Busch before. You've talked to him. Just How often does that happen? It, it, it doesn't happen a lot. I try to be respectful about it, but, you know, especially when it comes to the Xfinity Series, I don't ever call Kyle if I am have to race him, but, you know, there, especially it a lot of it was back in, in 2020 when I was starting to go to non-road course racetracks in the Xfinity Series. Huh. I remember I just reached out to Kyle and, and said, hey, man, I, I get it if you don't want to talk, you know, or if you can't, I'm racing against maybe not your cars, but it's Joe Gibbs organization. Like he detailed list. Really? Of everything. I mean, I'm appreciative of it because there's some people that sometimes you get that info, you're like, okay, is it really truthful? How much? But I mean, it's from 100%. And you know, he's asked me questions Like when we're at the road courses and stuff. And it's, you know, I try to be fair in in the same way. So that's what I've always told people. It's like, I get you know sometimes his attitude, sometimes his comments, but he's real. Wears his like, heart on his sleeve, but is 100 percent, 100 percent real and honest, yeah. and that's and that's who he is. And and I respect and, and I truly enjoy him for it. And having to race against him, he's one of the best. So it's like if you do beat Kyle Busch, you're accomplishing something big. So yeah, I mean I've I've always respected kyle and and been appreciative especially when i can call him and just ask him a question and like i said i try not to do it a lot but if there's questions i know that he'll reach back out and he'll answer them
2: if you have an opportunity to pick the brain of a generational talent and you know what he tells you is going to be exactly what you need to make your car go faster that's that's like an invaluable resource like why would you not rely on that so speaking of your driving aj i wanted to end on talking about your season well first of all before we got started how many races again? Forty nine. Forty nine this year. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad I to was, see I you was cut was back I on w- your schedule. I was in
1: here in 2019, <laughs> and I thought I was
2: done racing, and I'm
1: back to 49. <laughs> most races I've ever done in my life.
2: You're like Jimmy Johnson, who left NASCAR, and I think is racing more now than yeah. ever between IndyCar and IMSA. So you've got 16 races in Cup and 33 in Xfinity. Yeah. You seem like you're in good spirits, so you must be enjoying it.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's uh, of course you want to go out there, and I, I feel like. I'm probably more passionate and even at times harder on myself now than I've ever been at the racetrack uh, because I know there's an opportunity to go win races and run up front and accomplish stuff and it re-energized me at college racing of, of having those opportunities because there was a while I'd, I hadn't had those opportunities so I'm enjoying it I'm still when it doesn't go well I'm, I'm frustrated and, and mad and hard on myself and all those things but what allows me to be like that is Matt Colling and Chris Rice because they let me be like that, and then they're like, okay, we're done. Like, let's go ha- do some some fun stuff, and, you know, we love who you are. Don't change. Like, keep making us better, and I hopefully we m- make each other better. So, I'm enjoying it. You know, this year's been good in certain ways and not great so far in others, but it's a lot of fun. and definitely excited to do
2: more of it. When you talked about Ross kind of becoming the leader of Trackhouse, do you feel like you've sort of become that for colleague, Chris Rice and that colleague, like kind of giving you that opportunity? It sounds like you've become kind of the guy there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope so.
2: I mean, it, it's at least
1: a part of it. You know, Justin Haley's been there just as long as I have, but Justin is very young still, and he's in a young part of his career. I think where I can benefit of my experience now and, and hopefully help others is the fact that, you know, for the longest time, it's kind of cutthroat. You're like, I don't want to help anybody. I'm not – I'm here for me, and I'm, I'm only here for me. And I don't want I, – I don't want my teammate to win. Like, it, that's the worst thing. I'd rather other teams win. <laughs> I don't want my teammates to win. Like, I want to win or somebody else win. And I, a lot of people won't say that, but yeah. I think part of us, especially at a young age, is that's how we all believe to a certain degree. Now it's like, no, I want all of us to win. I loved when when Justin would win. You know, when Jeb won last year – you know, I can't wait for Landon and, and Daniel this year to win, and they will win. And so I, I do everything I can to try to make us all better. Because now, with college racing, I, f- I feel like it's partially my team. Like it's yeah. like I, yeah. I, I, I've been here for four years, and and I hope to be here a lot longer. Whether it's driving or or just being a part of the team in in one way or another, because I I truly enjoy it. But I think that's a different attitude now. It's like, yeah, I, I God, I want everybody to win. I hope we all win because it, I do feel like it is somewhat, at least a little, of my team as well.
2: Well, you should definitely claim some ownership because you do have a win this year. You won the uh, Xfinity race at Coda, and I was looking at your... I know you said some good, some bad, AJ, but like your start to this season, second, ninth, seventh, ninth, seventh, third, first, fourth, third, third, no DNFs, everything in the top ten. I look at those numbers and maybe I misread it, but that looks like one of the best starts of your racing career to a season. <laughs> that
1: for sure is my best start. Okay. Chris Rice points that out to me. Every <laughs> time think, yeah. every time I'm hard on him about like, <laughs> hey, we gotta get better, he's like he's like, What's your average finish right now? I'm like, I don't know, four point two. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> Chris. I get it. You know, I th- so you know, last year I went with the attitude of never being full time in the affinity series. Okay, I I just wanna win. Like I wanna win races, I wanna win races, I wanna be contending to win races. There was times I maybe have been pushing too hard or the team, we'd make mistakes and, and we'd cost ourselves good finishes. You know, this year, the reason I say that it, I'll say a lot of good. You know, where, where we are working hard right now is we haven't contended at times. Take away the super speedways and, and the road course. I feel like at times really contended to win the races. Now every race we have maximized our best finish, and that's where I love our team. So I know we're going to continually get better as an organization, make our race cars faster. But as we're doing that, we are building a good points gap and building good, really, self-esteem inside the race team that we're maximizing every weekend and having great finishes. So hopefully when we get there, because what happened, I felt like last year, we were really good. And then as the playoffs, as we got close to the playoffs and as we got in the playoffs, we just didn't have the speed. We managed our way through to the Final Four. But when I got to Phoenix, it was like, man, if we don't... I hope we hit lightning in a bottle. But in my mind, we all kind of thought, Uh, it's going to take a lot to try to win this. Hopefully this year we're building up to that so when we get to the playoffs that we are at our best and
2: we really have a shot to win the championship. So you've kind of mapped out things a little bit differently this year to peak, as they say, toward October-November.
1: And I think we're, you know, a a full year under our belt, at least for me, I feel like I knew where we lacked and we've worked on that and now there's other areas that we're working on. So last year was kind of like it was just all happening as it happened. and. No, with no practice and not really knowing what to expect, you went in those weekends wanting to try some stuff, but knowing like, hey, our stuff right now is pretty good. So now we're, we're I think, more open to, to trying new stuff to try to make ourselves better
2: for when we get to the playoffs. All right, well, we certainly are looking forward to watching you. You know, you're locked in the playoffs. Dover coming up next, a lot to come in the 2022 season. You can catch them. On every Xfinity race weekend, but a lot of cup race weekends as well. And you can also yeah. catch him here on uh, NASCAR America, hopefully, a few more times this year. AJ, thanks so much for being a guest. Really enjoyed this. Thank you, man. Our thanks again to AJ Allmendinger for joining us for the first time on the post-race edition of the NASCAR on NBC podcast. We've had AJ before as a regular guest, but this was the first time we've had him on as a post-race analyst for one of these episodes, and it was a real treat. Always great to have an active driver Join us to analyze what happened in the Cup and Xfinity Series races at Talladega Super Speedway last weekend. So thanks again to AJ for coming down to the NBC Sports Charlotte studio a little bit early before he did NASCAR America Motor Mouths. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks as well to NASCAR and NBC producers Emily Conboy and Aaron Feldstein for lining up AJ as our guest. And a reminder that we also taped this podcast on camera ahead of NASCAR America Motor Mouths in our NBC Sports Charlotte studio. Motormouths airs Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock and all the Motormouths episodes and clips are on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. You can also find lots more great content and highlights daily as well as the on-camera version of this podcast. So make sure you visit and subscribe to the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast.